everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is all about well-being in the dental industry with the wonderful Victoria Wilson who founded the Smile Revolution. In today's episode we talk about Victoria's experience with dentistry abroad in the Middle East and how well-being can really affect your performance and some practical tips on how to improve your overall well-being and your productivity in the dental profession. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado, let's get into it. Hi Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We've been trying to schedule this podcast for a while, so I'm glad that we finally got around to doing it. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Yeah, I am a dental therapist and I studied at the Eastman Dental Hospital in 2001. My journey began actually a tiny bit before that when I was dental nursing after school. I was offered a place at the Eastman and I then had a year and um, I did a bit of dental nursing. I wasn't very good, <laughs> but I did my best. <laughs> this is one I think that um, I share quite quite frequently. This story. It was literally my first day at this clinic in this small village near me, and um, this this boy came in. Um, he'd had a bike accident, a push bike accident. It was terrible, and um, I passed out on the floor. <laughs> and it was my first day in dentistry. <laughs> so that's the it's way usually, to start. <laughs> it's usually the men that pass out at the sight of blood. So it's, I don't know. I've done it so many times that I can't. I've lost count of how many times. I, but it's it's scary. Like how old were you at the time? Um, I was eighteen. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, so, actually, uh, yeah. No, I was eighteen. It must have been eighteen. Yeah. Yes. I think, <laughs> unless you're used to seeing that stuff, it's it just never gets normal. Like even now, when I was doing a Max Fax job, I was known as the person who fainted in theaters, and they made fun of me for a very long time. But it does happen. Like it, even now, <laughs> like even now, sometimes I get very queasy at the sight of blood and things like that. So don't don't worry, it's all normal. <laughs> this happened to you. It's my first day in dentistry. <laughs> Um, and then the, the dentist pulled me aside and was like, do you think this is the profession for you? <laughs> I think, oh, I've got my place at the Eastman, I really want to do this. <laughs> and it was, it's been all up from there. <laughs> and I've never looked back. So um, I, yeah, I completed my studies and then I worked within the NHS um, as a therapist and privately. And then I transitioned predominantly privately. Um, so working with James Gorlick at Bow Lane in London and Darwin and Tanner and I also worked at the BBC and um, then I left the UK and I moved to Dubai and I lived there for 10 years and I worked as a hygienist because I couldn't um, perform the skills of a therapist there just not within um, the remit of what you can do and I worked in, a, in four different practices. And then I found one super practice that I worked with, Dr. Rosen Associates. And when I first went to the Middle East, there was no representation for our profession really at all. There was 
under the municipality recognition for dentists, but nothing for hygienists. And over that time, it took me about 10 years. I kind of campaigned as much as I could within the Middle East to form an organization to represent the hygienists. And I founded the Emirates Dental Hygienist Club just wow. before I left. And well, I was the president for num well, maybe about a year. Yeah. And um, it's still running today. Wow, amazing. <laughs> amazing. So that was how a was, great. How was story. that? Because it's a big culture change between like the Middle East, particularly Dubai and the UK. But what, what year was this? Because that's that scene has changed very much in the last it's it's still constantly changing but when mm -hmm. when were you there because it's changed a lot hasn't it in the last few oh, years oh hugely and even from when I went I I went in 2007 and I left in 2017 um roads evolved <laughs> that never existed malls evolved that never existed there was no Burj when I first went there oh, wow. um the D Dubai mall was quite um remember when that was built now but into my time there's the mall of the Emirates mm. that was the main mall there for those mm. of you who have been to Dubai um <laughs> yeah the, the scene changed hugely um there was Dubai healthcare city that was just formed um that had a different um you needed a different um qualific or a different license to work in Dubai healthcare city compared to Dubai and then that changed um very very well, actually quite a number, just a few years before I left. So you were able to work in Dubai Healthcare City and um, Dubai, although it's the same country as such, mm -hmm. um, or the same Emirates, and you needed different licenses, but you then were able, and you could only work in one, not the other. Mm -hmm. And that changed. But yeah, th there were more and more hygienists that, that moved over, more and more dental practices that opened. There was more recognition within dentistry um but yeah it's a challenge moving somewhere else um I I share this story that I I listened to a I think it was an interview on Emirates once but the CEO of Jamira, the Jamira group he was a British guy I can't recall his name um but this is quite insightful coming from the UK we do things in a certain way we've been trained in a certain way and it works and we really pride ourselves I think on the skills and what we do for our patients specifically well, that's how I felt moving to Dubai you mm. think I can transition this here because it was hygiene was quite in its infancy when I first went there but you can't transition necessarily the way you do things here to there you have to maintain your skill set and your competencies um see your ethics but you have to then transition your skills to that environment, to the, to the rules and the regulations mm -hmm. of working in a different country, the multinationals that you treat there, what resonates with them. So behavioral change was always something I was really interested in, but I really became so much more interested in working and transforming the oral health of all my patients that I was fortunate enough to see there and you really had to test your skills in behavioral change and communication mm -hmm. because saying what I would say to maybe a British patient would not resonate that was really interesting and I think I I learned so much from that we I had to adapt 
and I really had to immerse myself self in the culture and really outwardly go out of my way to understand more and more about the different cultures that I was treating and it was amazing in that sense I grew hugely Um, and it gave me I guess the confidence it it built my confidence in being able to adapt um, and face things in a way that I wouldn't necessarily have had to hear if I'd been here Mm. so it was very insightful Mm. I anyone that comes to me and says oh how is it working away and should I go for it it's not an easy ride at all yeah. but wow it's it's a it's an experience that you really grow in and also dentists I work I work predominantly with French dentists they don't even know what a hygienist pretty much does because there are no <laughs> hygienists in France but they loved what we were doing and they were really open to it but frequently you know even here um not everybody is fully aware of our full skill set. Even dentists that work predominantly with hygienists and therapists, even though mm-hmm. advocates of hygienists and therapists. So working in a French dental practice where they'd never worked, when they'd never trained with one, it's hygienists do not exist in France. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was fun in itself. And yeah, of course, because there's one formed. thing doing the clinical side of things that's in itself is challenging enough but having to adapt to a completely different way that people are the way they prefer to be treated because as somewhere like Dubai I think it's so sort of diverse that you need to be really well versed in how different people perceive certain things because some cultures view some things that we see as quite normal they might take it as offensive and you have to be really really careful about what you say and how you phrase it um as well as doing well clinically obviously doing your job well but it's everything else around it you have to be quite sensitive and and aware of as well so and it is that sensitivity yet whilst being sensitive we want to resonate in their minds to get them to change and support their change so that's Culturally, if we're obviously we appreciate different cultures, we're very mindful of that. But additional to that, what is it within their culture that makes them do things? Why do they do things? What's the tradition in family cultures, mm. and how what's formed their habits? Mm. Where have those habits come from? Where where's my place, and how can I integrate in what I'm sharing with them into their lifestyle that it resonates with them mm-hmm. when I'm not maybe from. Singapore or <laughs> yeah of course you know you know yeah. it's, it's fascinating fascinating and also when it comes to conferences um you're meeting people from all over the Middle East edit happens every year it's the biggest dental conference in the Middle East and I was fortunate enough to build relations in Saudi Jordan and all over and it was that was a Qatar um they they I think soon while I was there when we formed the Emirates Dental Hygienist Club they then um, um, allowed for hygienists um, to work in in Qatar so they were consulting me on that and it was wow. really interesting and I can imagine so yeah, talk and, me through- and also broadening scope of practice as well of course so so talk me through from 2017 you're going through all of these this these things you're making these changes and then how did you decide and why did you decide to move back to the UK 
So I had a little girl in 2016, um, my first daughter, or our first daughter, Sophia, and we actually came back to the UK and she was born here. And then we were traveling back and forth to um, Dubai. And then I just felt, now's time to come home. Yeah. I think there's a two year itch when you go abroad and I didn't come home after two years. And then, then it gets to five years and then it gets to 10. And it's like, okay, I'm going to make this move now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was time. And then we had our second daughter, Alice, in oh. 2017. So I've not looked back. It was an amazing experience. And um, But just prior to leaving the Middle East, I was completing a um, bachelor's conversion in oral health promotion. I actually submitted sharing the story yesterday my dissertation whilst I went into labor <laughs> oh gosh oh my god so I yeah that that was with Ohio University and that was a huge um, transition for me and really has formed where I'm at now in my career and I'm not working yeah. clinically now as you know yeah and yeah. I I founded the SMAR revolution which is is all about supporting innovations and leadership in oral health promotion amongst the dental profession. And with that, very much focusing on well-being. Mm -hmm. Which so is the main focus of this, this podcast. And I remember from the time I met you, I really wanted to talk, sit down and talk about this because it's such an important topic, um, but it doesn't get talked about enough. I think at dental school, for example, there's a lot of focus on clinical things. I don't know if this has changed massively now, and I, I don't know if universe, different universities have different approaches to this, but certainly at the time that I was at dental school, there was no focus on you know, your well-being, your mental health. And as we know, it's a very, very important topic because these high pressure, stressful situations that we're in are not easy to deal with. And you really need to have those skills and coping mechanisms in order to survive and, and do well. Um, and as we know, dentistry is one of the top sort of professions in terms of suicide and mental health issues. And, and it's really, really important to talk about this. So, so talk me through what Smile, Smile Revolution is and what, and what you do um, day to day. Sure. Well, it, it did all begin with a podcast, um, speaking to others all around the world about what they're doing, what they like, the challenges in their career. And that was very much there to um, support others, maybe going through a challenge to find inspiration from listening to others. And a, a huge belief behind the Smile Revolution podcast is why keep anything for ourselves that we've learned along our journeys? We must mm -hmm. share everything so that we can collectively, as a dental profession, move forward as fast as we possibly can through sharing and supporting others. We all learn nuances day to day, but the more we share about this, then it may be different for everybody, but the more that we can keep moving forward. So it began with a podcast, and then when COVID hit, asked, obviously, so many people were out of work and not working. The public weren't able to access our services. And I thought, I'm promoting oral health. This is what I'm doing. I've been making a living from, um, as I also developed some other projects um, for the last couple of years. I must share what I've learned with others. So I launched a course on how to launch an oral health promotional project, which very much focuses on uncovering 
what we individually love as dental professionals what's our passion within the profession how can we utilize that and share what that is with others in promoting oral health an example is one of the hygienists i work with loves the theater and performing arts and the smile revolution and the work that we do supported her in launching her oral health promotional projects specifically for the arts industry, supporting their oral health. So this is an example of what we do and it, it actually fits into well-being because doing what we love supports us to thrive. And just finding, I guess this maybe may resonate with the listeners, just thinking about something that we like, maybe it's playing tennis, maybe it's cooking, um gardening it just comes easily and maybe we'll spend hours and we don't think about anything else when we're doing it and that's the philosophy behind the work the smile revolution supports specifically within dentistry aimed at oral health promotion because it's something you love and it allows you to thrive within it and develop it based on your interest in the profession obviously always within our competencies um, as dental registered dental professionals. So that's one aspect of the SMILE revolution. And then additional to that, I'm a qualified yoga instructor and I've been practicing yoga for many, many years. And it's supported me hugely as a dental professional. So I now tailor my, my mindfulness, my meditation, my movement in yoga to support mind-body connection for dental professionals because if we're not feeling good if we're not feeling well how can we thrive as a profession it's even if we've got a bit of a crick in the neck or we have a concern at work or there's a barrier that we just can't maybe overcome maybe it's we're always running late because we need additional nursing support that's stripping something away from our ability to thrive. So that's very much my focus that underpins every effort of what I do. How can we thrive? So mind, body connection, and also doing what we love to promote oral health, to reach out to and connect with the public more. So that's what I work on in a nutshell every day. Everything is focused to support us feeling great, me understanding even more about what could be interrupting us collectively as a dental profession and individually people that reach out to me and connect with me. And I'm dedicated to this every day and I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. You can really tell. And honestly, I am a big fan of mindfulness and making sure that we are well and we're taken care of before we perform because as we know dentistry is a very stressful um career both both physically and mentally challenging and unless you're well you can't really as you rightly said perform at your best but I don't think there is enough recognition and emphasis so from the courses that you run from the dental professionals that you have helped along the way what have you find that is the main barrier with them do you find that we all have the same problems initially. Is there a common theme of people overworking or not looking after themselves? What, what are we all doing as a profession that's stopping mm. us from doing our best? 
Um, yeah, this is an interesting question. And of course, yes, there is, in answer to your question, similar traits that come up again and again. Yet everybody is unique and everybody is individual. And there's literature now that we, there's quite a lot of publications that evidently show those traits that present themselves again and again. And similar traits, I think, as a dental profession that probably could resonate with everybody. We are perfectionists. We have extreme, and we have to have and pay attention to the detail, mm -hmm. to maintaining standards. And we are such givers. We wish all our patients to be well and to want to come and see us and to have a positive experience to go and speak and share their experience mm -hmm. with others to transform their oral health we just want the public to be healthy and we do so much and we are dedicated into self um, continuing professional development and we like it and we go above and beyond our commitment is huge and one thing that is is published and also possibly you may have come across this in social media is that in this and it uh, I think is it um 40 percent I'm just trying to get the right figure here but regardless a huge percent of, of professionals 80 percent actually sorry I think it was published would go to work not feeling well that's the dental profession yeah. so we put our patients first frequently mm -hmm. over us if we've got a bit of a twinge in our neck that will not stop us working we will mm -hmm. still want our patient to feel as comfortable as possible so the common trait here is that we're seeing is that we put our patients first over us mm -hmm. but how is this serving the public's health our patients in the long term if we then are not able to thrive because mm -hmm it's published that we then make one or two mistakes a week we are making more mistakes mm -hmm. and errors and we will outwardly admit to that possibly because we're not feeling so great mm -hmm. so then if we're looking at the grander picture here who should we be putting first mm -hmm. who do we owe it even the our commitment to the public's or our, our patients we have a commitment to ourselves to look after ourselves so that we can perform as much mm. and possibly we would have an even greater impact on their habits and their change if we are feeling so great in ourselves if we are feeling this 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 if we go back to maybe a bit of a twinge in the neck I think we've all had it mm -hmm. we try and override it we think oh we're fine it's only a bit of a twinge in the neck but that twinge keeps getting bigger and bigger or we can feel it more and more but we have an incredible capacity I believe as a dental profession because we are so in our head we love also the science we've got so many things to think about there's so much business going on in our head that we're very good at cutting out actually how our body even feels mm. and how is that serving us long term how's that serving our well-being so that we can thrive as a profession to do more for the patient. Mm. It's dampening our ability to thrive. So one of my focuses is, is very much is connecting the mind and our, our body back together. Mm -hmm. So we feel the touch of an instrument. 
on our fingers. We are so automated in going for the mirror. Sorry, the mirror, the, the light. The light, yeah. The suction. Do we ever feel it? What do we see? Do we see that light anymore? So connecting back to the senses, the honor that we have as professionals, one of the greatest recognitions in well-being is, is doing things, that altruism, doing things for others. We do that every day, but sometimes everything else detracts from that because of the stress triggers that we feel as a profession, then the honor of serving others that actually feeds well-being on such a level is really dampened. So how can we re go back to that honor of what we do and that recognition of every day and taking note of the privileges we have to do so much for people, to make people feel better and connecting back our mind and body? Yeah. Do you know, I've had this conversation with so many of my colleagues and I personally went through this some time ago when I was really overworking. I was working six days a week, really, really long hours. and Prior to that, my definition of success was just working as much as I could clinically. Um, and I got to a stage where I was so mentally and physically exhausted. And as we know, dentistry is a very physical job. You have mm -hmm. to think about what you're doing. You have to make the right decisions um, as well as actually physically perform them. So if you're tired and exhausted, you're not going to be at your best. And I learned this the hard way. And I realized that not only was I not doing as well as I would have liked, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I genuinely am privileged enough to like what I do. I genuinely do like dentistry. Um, and I have my areas of interest, which I absolutely love. And I wasn't able to enjoy it. And I wasn't able to do more of that because I was so tired. All I wanted to do is just take a break and get a five minute coffee break and not spend that extra time doing these mm -hmm. things. So I had a moment where I had to sit down and sort of reassess my priorities and say, actually, if I do take a day or two off during the week to do everything I need to do, you know, catch up with admin, make sure I'm up to date, make sure I've had my rest, meditate and do a form of yoga or Pilates, which I, which I love and I used to do throughout uni and I still do. Um, it just make it just makes you a better clinician and you're actually more efficient um, clinically, and I've had this conversation with a few colleagues, and actually financially as well. So you sometimes end up doing better if you're more efficient and you're at your best. So working harder is not necessarily better. You just need to work smart, make sure you're at your best, so that ultimately, as you're saying, you put your patient's interest above everything else, so that you're at your best and you're giving them the best possible treatment outcome. So going through challenges and things. And, and this is something I quite often share with people when they say to me, oh, I'm working six days a week. And I'm always like, OK, but, you know, be careful because you might be able to do this for maybe a few months, even a year or two. But it's not sustainable. So really make sure you think about your priorities and and at least have a plan in your mind of how you you plan to look after yourself and 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 mm. you're able to maintain that and not burn out. It's so true. And what you, you mentioned at the beginning of, you know, working so, so many hours and then not necessarily having the interest to do so many other things within dentistry that are available to us. Mm. We know that 
from publications as well that burnout's you know on the rise and I think we're in a, in a good place now that well-being is on our radars mm. um but lack of or lo that a lowered interest in what you're doing is one of those flags it's published on the and recognized by the WHO you know that lack of interest in your work environment um and just wanting to just forget about it when you mm. leave that's a red flag that you may not be at burnout but you're heading down that road mm. and we can't afford as a dental profession for any of us to burn out look at the statistics in aura house we have to be thriving so that we can overcome these inequalities in aura house with the prevalence of the disease um so we just taking what you mentioned as well is I was actually lecturing on this weekend is what's your plan for your well-being and it's a constant growth yes some of us may be tapping into pilates or yoga or whatever it is for you that works for you once a week but it's a daily mm. occurrence what is it daily you're doing is it just you're stopping listening to the birds for a minute what is it looking at the sun beaming through the trees what is it that begins to allow your your glass to be full we need to be pouring from mm. that full glass mm. not half empty because mm. energy is transferred to our patients and if it's full energy that's great and and it's statistically as well it's published i think 40 percent go to work feeling a bit tired how can we be, how can that energy that we need to give, like you've mentioned, and we know we feel it, mm. the energy stripped from us as a dental profession is huge. How can we conserve our energy? Because we need it. Mm -hmm. And there is a way of keeping that. We can be, my cousin said it to me, a while ago when we messed up she's an entrepreneur doing amazing things and you know we can all be busy fools and <laughs> exactly <it> stayed yeah. <laughs> with me we cannot be we cannot mm. be but I was like oh I don't like the sound of that but yes I'm so thankful for her telling me that obviously because we need to be thinking about that like you said you can you can even potentially earn so much more yeah being smart with your time and you can do more because your headspace is in that place to do more because you're not tired. Mm. And I, I'm always challenging with the tiredness with two little girls that strip my energy from me. And we have to know how to conserve our energy. Yeah, I think, you know, I think now being busy is almost portrayed as a badge of honor. Like when you meet up with people, when you speak to people, everyone's like, oh, I'm really busy, I'm really busy. And it's like, what What are you actually doing? What are you busy doing? What? Because it's all about prioritizing your time, right? So if you, you should never be busy, for example, to have time for your friends and family, for yourself. So it's you, exactly like you said, exactly like your cousin said, you can be busy doing silly things and not necessarily being productive. But if you prioritize your time, um, then you might not necessarily be as busy. And it's it's not a badge of success. It's not a badge of honor for you to say I'm busy. But I think we're in that mindset where right now everybody is saying we're busy or trying to stay busy just to prove that they're being productive. But mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. I think that badge of honor is I've got full energy and I'm thriving doing what I love. Yeah. And having an impact. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think with when it comes to looking after your well-being, mindfulness and all of these things, it can seem a bit daunting when you're not used to it, when you haven't done anything like this before, when we're so busy with everything, going back to being busy. But when you have so many things on your mind, on your plate, the the feeling of wanting to do something with regards to your well-being and things, it can seem like a daunting concept. It can seem a bit scary. So what would be your advice to somebody uh, who is trying to start who wants to start but they see the whole concept as something busy they maybe think that being mindful or looking after yourself means doing three hours of yoga and meditation every day doing it consistently but it's not that as we know even taking 10 minutes to meditate is, is a good start and honestly it really 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 does make a difference even 10 minutes of sitting down doing guided meditation really does help gear your mindset the right way. So what would be your advice to, to somebody who is thinking of starting? What should they plan to, to, to grow their well-being? Yeah, I think, it's, yeah, it's a really good question. It's very individual. Meditation can be um, yoga for many people. Um, is that the realm? I'm in can be, yeah, something that pe- lots of people think this is not for me. And what I've learned from my experience frequently, the ones that feel that it really isn't for them and they can't clear their head because we, it's spoken about your mind being empty. And that's a challenge for people in a busy life. That's what's something that people feel they can't do maybe for those that don't meditate or get to mm-hmm. there. But actually it's, honing in your concentration on your breath. So your mind is, it's not empty. It's just at ease with your breath. And it's that training that muscle for focus. Find something though, for those that maybe are thinking about starting, that are resources. Maruk, um, some of you maybe know about Mindful Flossing. She's written amazing cards and um done um some lot of work in positive psychology for dental professionals she's so there's things to read from her um it's finding something within your area reading up on it find out what could work for you within your time frame within your week start incrementally every day i work predominantly in this field every day I add something minor on it's not huge but I I believe I redeem my well-being can be better what can I do today is it just the mindset um so yes finding something maybe it's just pausing for a minute just looking out through the leaves um maybe it's just beginning to just notice your body how does my back feel Maybe it's sitting upright, engaging your core, exploring what's needed for your body to feel well, what matters to you. Recognize the triggers. I'm sharing quite a few things now, but these are all things that maybe someone thinks, I can start to do that because recognizing the triggers of things that may be extracted from your, extracting from your well-being, maybe running late, maybe absorbing phobia from um, patients Mm. that are phobic. 
how can we relax that? Is it channeling calmness to them from you? So finding something, maybe it's going for a walk. It's going to be different for everybody. But what works for you? Yes, there are lots of things to read that actively partaking in something. And that is the fundamental key is we have to not just be aware about it. It's great that we are spreading awareness and more people are talking about it, but what are you committing to? And it doesn't have to be big. Like I said, it could be one minute a day to begin. What is that one thing for you that you can do? If it's just rolling your shoulders, if it's lowering your shoulders down because gravity pulls us forward, especially as dental professionals, keep that core engaged. What is it for us that's supporting us breathing? I've got lots of resources as well that I share and there's more things coming um, to actively support well-being on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It has to work within your within your program take a moment to look at your week when have you got time when could you add a minute in what is a minute yeah but a minute of stillness I did it with the the group that I was speaking to on Saturday just breathing through your nose in and out through your nose for a minute to be still at ease and over time the mind empties and it isn't purely an empty mind it's a focus on your breath and the other one thing that I also shared on the weekend is we because we're such perfectionists we're so self-critical as dental professionals we want to do so well all the time um, is we can speak negatively to ourselves so how do we transition that negative thought I could have done that better um maybe placing the rubber down whatever it may be mm. um maybe I wish I, I could have relaxed that patient more mm-hmm. what could it be instead of speaking to ourselves in a negative way I'm actively aware I'm working towards relaxing my phobic patients mm. more I'm I'm, I pay such attention to detail. I care so much for my patients. That's why. And being that compassionate, there's so much evidence on self-compassion to support our well-being. Recognizing that, the words that we say to ourselves, being kind to ourselves, and just overcoming this, this harsher talk that mm. we have to ourselves as dental professionals to be compassionate. And the more from I'm not a neuroscientist at all. <laughs> I never, but I have such an interest in it. The more that we manifest these kind words to ourselves, when we have a, a moment of speaking harshly to ourselves or being critical, correct it, recognize it, and say something to ourselves in recognition of our, our, uh, our attention mm. to detail. Mm. I care so much. I'm thinking this because I care so much. I want that patient. I could have, I am actively working always towards calming all my patients, relaxing my, changing my phobic patients to want to come. So whatever it is, manifesting kindness to ourselves. 
and that's, that's really something we can that's start really today. really powerful honestly that's really powerful because I think I'm definitely guilty of it be it clinically or otherwise I think when you're constantly trying to do better as as dental professionals naturally you are ambitious you are a perfectionist you want to do mm. better you want to continuously do better and you always change your goal so if you reach a set goal like for example for me it was always graduating first it was getting into dental school then it was graduating then it was getting the right job so you keep changing that goalpost and I think if you're you're and you're constantly you know with social media you're constantly comparing yourself to others so I think instead of talking negatively to yourself about not reaching the goals or maybe not doing as well as you'd like or not doing well compared to xyz person maybe just acknowledge the fact that you're trying so much or you're trying to do well and, and see the positive side and I I think I've, I've seen a lot of this with the way people speak so instead of saying sorry to keep you waiting say thank you for being patient so change it from a ne negative perspective to expressing gratitude and then slowly slowly I think that's going to rewire your brain and the way you see things so instead of um just just rewording the things you say to yourself and to others exactly. makes such a big difference and that's such a beautiful example you shared and that's how often do we say sorry to keep you yeah. I'm running late sorry yeah. I've said it so much, but yeah, yeah, thank you for waiting. I love that. Yeah. And, I, and again, speaking, and I know you speak as well, you, I always get nervous before delivering a lecture. Again, and, and, and uh, something I shared on the weekend was I could have been driving to Gatwick thinking, oh, I'm so nervous about this lecture. <laughs> but no, I, I was like, well, yes, I, I recognise because I'm, I'm so Didn't looking care. forward to sharing what mm. I love with everyone. And I have this opportunity to speak. And these nerves are good because I care. So it, we, it's not something, I'm certainly not a master of this in any way, but I'm, if it's on your radar, we can all start with this now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Victoria. It's been such an, I could go on speaking about this because I'm honestly really passionate about this and I don't think we talk about this enough. And honestly, to me, before I started to get involved in my own sort of well-being journey, and it's still a work in progress, I think it always is. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize just how powerful it is. Like even 10 minutes of guided meditation every morning can really, really set you up for a good day and I really now notice the difference when I don't do it so I think it's a, it's a really important topic and it's really really amazing what you're doing so thank you so much for joining me today and talking about this and I hope more and more people will will recognize just how important it is thank you so much for having me it's lovely speaking to you and thanks for having me on your podcast really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things I know I certainly did and as always don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode you can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr Shadi Manicherry I always love hearing your responses and if you have any requests for future podcast episodes please let me know there I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular as always there will be a new episode every week so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode and I can't wait to speak to you soon.